a pleasant uh, Sunday, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are in the second week of our um, stewardship series. Last week, the title was Sacrifice of Thanksgiving, reminding us that the nature of our giving reflects our understanding of who God is in our lives. And today, we, I would like to emphasize the reason for generosity. Again, responding to who God is in our lives based on First Chronicles 29, verse 9 to 20. And so as a start of today's message, I'd like us to quickly run through verse 9 to 20. This, the context is uh, David, uh, after gathering collections from the people offering to build the temple. Now, this is his prayer. First Chronicles 29, verse 9 to 20, and uh, I read, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with the whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all in your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house, for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he might keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. Story goes that there was this old man who said he had a nightmare, a horrible dream. And when asked what he dreamt about, he said, I dreamt that the Lord looked at my Sunday offering and multiplied it by 10, and henceforth it became my weekly income. And soon I lost the TV, I lost the car, and I had to lose the house. After all, what can a man do with just $10 a 
a week. So this is what he did. He was stingy towards God in his dream, and he realized that no, God can decide to be stingy towards him. Now, if the Lord took your offering today and multiplied it by 10 and made it your weekly income, how much would you be making? How much would you be making? Right? Now, in terms of our giving, okay, there are perks when you are generous or you give, but sometimes we give for the wrong reasons. And generally, at times, we give because we want to get noticed. Because when you are generous, people take notice of you, mention you, thank you. Sometimes it's to absolve guilt. At least I did something for that person in need. I'm fine. Sometimes it's because we want to feel needed because we want people to depend on us and find that they are important in, we are important to them or to get something in return. And at times we do that to God. Lord, I'll give this offering to you, but you have to bless me even more. And again, let me again say the statement, what we give and how we give both matter to God. What we give and how we give are both important to our God. And so what drives your giving today? Is it the perks of being generous or out of a willing, joyful heart who really understands who God is in your life? Now, uh, a few years back, we went through this uh, journey of renovating our sanctuary. And it took the leaders lots of faith to decide instead of just changing the ceiling to make a full renovation to have our facilities upgraded for the future generations. And uh, instead of just one-third, uh, one-fourth of the budget, it became four times. And it took a lot of faith. Will we be able to raise the fund? But we saw the hand of God as he moved everyone to give generously. There was nothing small or nothing great in giving. It is what we give and how we give that ultimately matters to God. It is not the matter of how much we give, but it is a matter of our faith and our love for God. And so today we have this sanctuary. We hope to be back together one day after the pandemic ends to worship together. This sanctuary is waiting for us and still here waiting uh, for us to come back together when the time comes to worship here. Now, in that time, it was the same scenario because David was actually making advanced preparations to build God's temple. Now, we know that in the story that David was told by God, regrets David, despite you want to build me a house, your hands are stained with blood, so you will not build me a house. Your son, Solomon, will be the one to do it. But David didn't just sit back and relax and wait for his son to take the throne from him later to do all the necessary work because he truly, truly loved God and want to build God a temple. He did advanced preparations for Solomon. And so most of the materials were already ready when Solomon needed to build the temple. All the connections with neighboring nations, uh, supplies, they were all there. And uh, in this passage, in First Chronicles, actually, 
David was, gave the people opportunity to take part in this building project. Okay? And the people responded with such generosity that they were all surprised at what had happened. And so the passage today records David's prayer and perspective of this miracle when the people gave willingly for the building of God's temple, which will not happen then. It will happen way in the future. Okay, it is something sort of miraculous. That's why in verse 9, okay, in verse 9, the people's giving, this looks like this, verse 9. The people rejoiced because they had given willingly. They had given willingly for with the whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now, even the people were surprised at how willing they were to part with their wealth to give to the Lord. And David was equally surprised and joyful of what had just happened because they were able to collect a big amount of donations from the people of Israel in preparation for the future building of the temple. But it's not only what they gave, but how they gave it. And so after David's prayer, towards the end of the passage in verse 20, David calls the people to bless the Lord our God. Right? David said to the entire assembly, as they pay homage to the Lord, bless the Lord our God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. So the people knew who their God was and who their king was. They paid homage as a result of their overflowing joy. So at the end of this speech, David calls the entire assembly to acknowledge that God was the one who helped them give generously beyond their wildest imaginations, and he now performs his covenant role as the king of the nation. You know, the covenant is symbolic of the relationship between Israel and God. And in this case, as the king, he was supposed to be the covenant keeper. He represents the people before God that they are going to keep and obey God's covenant. And in turn, God will be the one to be their God. So in between this passage, we hope to learn from David's prayer the heart response that resulted in such generous giving. David was not a perfect person. He had flaws, sins, gross mistakes he made throughout his life. And yet, okay, the purity of his motives in loving God is seen very much in this passage and we understand why he is called the man after God's own heart. Okay, because he was a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect, but because he was really a man who wanted to please God, even with his flaws and mistakes. Now, let me again uh, reiterate, God's people ought to model generosity because we have a generous God. But beyond that, there's some things about God that we have to keep in mind so that we can respond generously in terms of our giving. So the first response is that we are to respond to God's absolute authority. He is the highest authority in heaven and on earth, and therefore He deserves our generous 
giving. Now, uh, usually you hear this term, who's the boss? Who's the boss at home? Is it the husband or the wife? Who's the boss in the family? Is it the parents or the children? Who's the bo real boss in the office? And there are two possible scenarios where when uh, no clear parameters of leaders are agreed upon. The first one is that no one is in charge. That's utter chaos, right? Everything is uh, out of place or the second one because there's no clear parameters of leadership is that everyone's in charge so everyone calls the shots and both scenarios are quite disastrous in leadership and allow me to share this uh, story from august 1994 there was this korean air jet plane it landed and it skidded across a rain-soaked runway and rammed on the safety barricade and there were 160 passengers on board. But good thing is they were able to leave the plane before the entire plane exploded into flames. They were able to escape to safety. So upon research and upon interviewing, they realized what the problem or what the cause what the, of the accident was. Now, according to the news report, the pilot and the co-pilot got into a fist fight over who was in charge of landing the plane. <laughs> okay, because maybe it was uh, rainy, slippery, foggy. Okay, both of them do not want the plane, so they pointed fingers at each other until they uh, you know, were fighting fist to fist. And then later on, the accident happened. The plane landed and skidded and hit the barricade. And later on, exploded but buti na lang, no casualties. Now, this is a typical scenario of leadership where there are no clear parameters. Okay? Right? When there's crisis, nobody wants to take the blame, so nobody wants to lead. When the, uh, everything is well, everyone wants to take charge. Right? And this is uh, a situation where there will be political uh, wars or disputes where uh, the more influential and powerful one calls the shots, when the minority with a loud voice wins in arguments and in decisions because there are no clear parameters of leadership in place. And sometimes this happens in government, in business sector, in civic organizations, and sometimes even in church if okay, the, the power or influence is stronger than the maturity of the leadership. But praise God in UECP, I praise God for putting in place spiritually mature leaders to really love the church and love the people, right? And so that is a blessing for a church. But when there are political uh, warring parties in the church, you can see that there's disunity and it's difficult for the church to move forward, to make disciples, to finish the Great Commission. And so that is the question, who's the boss? Now, in this case, David was making clear to all the people who's the boss. He was declaring in the presence of the people and before God who God is to them. That's why in verse 10, let me read, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord. You see the all caps, right? Uppercase, L-O-R-D means Yahweh in the original language. Blessed are you, O Lord, the creator of the universe, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. 
So David begins his prayer by giving praise to God. In his prayer, it was clear who the boss is. It was Yahweh, God of Israel, their father forever and ever, the creator of the universe, the God of their ancestors, the father of their nation, the top gun of the league, the big shot. Absolute authority belongs to God. He is not only sovereign over all creation, but sovereign over our lives. And so in verse 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. All that is on the heaven and the earth is yours. The two realms, the earthly realm and the heavenly realm, Okay? And David declares that God is the highest of the highest in both realms, in any realm. He's the true owner of all that exists, being the creator of all things. And therefore, he is deserving to be ascribed greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty. Him alone. Now, these words, greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty, are usually ascribed to the king of the land. But David you know, he instead says that, no, this belongs to the real boss, God Almighty in heaven. So he recognizes the Lord before the people as the supreme authority over all the land and the kingdoms over all creation. And later in the next verse, that he is the ruler over all mankind. He is the king of all humanity. So he says here in 11b, Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all people, no? all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, God. Praise be your glorious name. So David acknowledges that God is king over all mankind, and head above all. And that all comes from him and belong to him. Therefore, he rules everyone. That's why riches, honor, power, might, strength comes from him to us, to all mankind. And therefore, he rules over all of us. And so, it is just right for us humans to generously give back to the Lord. Because... He is the absolute authority over all creation. He's the absolute authority over all mankind. He's the absolute authority over you and I. And we are to give to him only a portion of what he has entrusted to us. Right? And so, what does the absolute authority of all creation deserve from you and I? Right? What? does he deserve he deserves us to generously give okay so let me go to heart check number one the question i'd like you to ask yourself as you reflect how does my current giving reflect god's authority over my life and all that i possess how does my current giving the standard of giving that i have reflect God's authority over 
me and everything that He has entrusted to me? Or does it reflect the other way that I am still in control of my life, the master of my destiny, and I am the Lord of my own possessions? We need to really surrender to Him all that we have because everything, even our lives, belong to Him. Freely He gives, freely He takes away. And so aside from responding with generous giving because God is the absolute authority, we are to also respond to God's undeserved generosity. Okay? Undeserved generosity. Now, as with many innovations, we look at the originator of the 3M sticky yellow post-it. Right? How many of you use 3M sticky yellow post-it? Uh, a lot of China imitations have come out. It's cheaper, right? But sometimes it doesn't stick as well. But anyway, the researcher who was first to create the adhesive spent silver was curious what would happen. It was out of curiosity when he mixed an unusual amount of monomer into a polar, polymer-based adhesive. So he mixed two chemicals together. And the result was the adhesive would hack one piece of paper to another and even restrict many times without leaving any residue on the piece of paper. Okay, so he thought it was of no use. Right? Because it does stick, but it doesn't stick well enough to adhere to surfaces. So he put it on the side, his invention on the side. And so the company had no use for this new adhesive until the 3M chemist, Arthur Fry, took Silver Spence's invention. Okay, Arthur Fry was having problems in the choir loft. He was a choir member and... The slips of paper he used to mark the pages in his hymnal often slipped out of the hymnal and onto the floor and he cannot find which page it was. So he was always uh, frantically looking where to open next Okay, in his hymn book. And then he remembered the adhesive that Silver has created and so Fry's better bookmark soon became what we know today as the yellow sticky notes or the post. And it has become a regular feature in our offices because it's effective, right? it doesn't fall out of the book. Okay, this was taken in Discipleship Journal, issue number 48. When, Sil when Spence Silver thought his invention was useless in the hands of Arthur Fry, it became something really useful and now useful for all offices and schools around the world. Now, what we should understand is that when we come before God and offer our lives and our possessions, despite they are seemingly useless and insignificant, but in the hands of a loving Father, they are both precious and useful. Because it is up to the person who uses it so we should not think that we are worthless and therefore we will not give our best to the Lord. And so David here says we are to come with our humanity. We are to come with all our limitations and weaknesses and in our giving. It's okay. God accepts all that we willingly offer and puts it into good use. And so this, uh, uh, this humanity comes out in verse 14. 
And David says, Who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of our own have we not of our own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, all as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. So David was saying, We are human, our gifts seem worthless before God who owns everything. We are not able to offer what God deserves, nor do we have anything to offer that God needs and that he doesn't already possess. Even our lives and possessions are simply a passing through like a shadow. And yet, God takes pleasure in what we give. Come with our humanity. Come, but also come with true humility as we come and realize that we are giving to a God who gives us undeserved generosity despite the reality that we are truly worthless, okay? but made precious in Christ. In verse 16, it says, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. Okay, it's all your own. David humbly acknowledges and says that they were able to give such a huge contribution to the building of the house of God only because God enabled them. Humility. Acknowledging that God owns all and he gives us the ability to give from his resources. And so David was saying that God deserves our generous giving nonetheless because despite our humanity, we can come with humility and God will enable what we willingly give for his glory, right? We generously give because it is our response to God's undeserved generosity to us. Despite our human li limitations, despite we cannot really offer something that God does not already possess, we just simply be humble to obey, to give willingly out of obedience to God along with the appreciation of the mercy and the blessings he freely gives us every single day. And so, heart check number three, let us ask ourselves and let us prayerfully consider, does my current giving reflect God's, my appreciation of God's grace and mercy in my life? Okay, have I really fully comprehended how much grace and mercy I have received and does my giving reflect that level of appreciation towards the undeserved mercy God gives? And last but not the least is as a response, we are to give generously as a response to God's covenant purpose for us as a response to God's covenant purpose for us. Now, Pierre Barlot was a gunner at the fort of Mont Valerine during the Prussian siege of Paris. Okay, this was uh, wars in Fr France. So one day, Pierre was stand standing by his gun. Now, he was carrying his gun 
when General Noel, their commander, came up, leveled his glass at the uh, service bridge, uh, and he called to the gunner, Pierre. He said, do you see that bridge over there? Yes, sir, the gunner said. Yung gunner hindi po barilakan yun, no? <laughs> It's called the gunner. And do you see that little shanty in the shrubs towards the left of the bridge? Yes, sir, Pierre said, and his face turned pale. And so, the commander said, Well, that now is the nest of our enemies, the Prussians. So, shoot a shell out and destroy that house. Pierre turned white. His veil was so pale. He sighted his uh, uh, target deliberately and fired. And, of course, the shanty was destroyed. Well hit, said the general. Good job, explained the general. But he looked Pierre, and he was surprised. Pierre was not only pale, but a tear was running down his cheek. So the general asked, what's the matter, young man? And Pierre said, pardon me, general, but you just asked me to destroy my house and all I ever owned. Okay, so again, because of the war, his house was taken hostage by the enemies and the general didn't know that he asked the one manning the cannon to shoot at his own house. And sometimes that's how we feel when we're parting with resources God has given us. Okay, that, you know, I'm losing things. But we miss out on God's covenant purpose if we do not obey. So let me explain that further. Uh, let's read first uh, verse 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. David was joyful that in his heart of hearts, truly desiring to do something great for the God he loves and adores, that he would be able to do something, at least something, to collect some money to you know prepare for solomon to do to finish the job and he saw all the people following his example and this isn't just a fulfillment of his role as a covenant keeper the king of israel right because he was supposed to stand between god and the nation so that they will keep the covenant because the covenant or the contract between God and Israel is as long as they worship and serve God alone, they will be God's people. And so with us, we are children of the Most High God. We are in covenant with Him through the new covenant of Christ's blood. And because of what Christ did and our faith in Christ, we are now redeemed to become a people that belongs to God. That is our covenant purpose. That is who we are. And so we have to obey God with that right heart that because what of, of what God has done to redeem us from the realm of sin to the realm of light, the realm of darkness to the realm of the king. 
of Jesus. Then with that kind of appreciation, we respond with our generous giving because of the generosity God has shown to you and me. Now, obeying with the right heart is not as easy as it sounds, but we can surely obey with God's help. God is the one who enables us to give willingly and sacrificially. And in verse 18, I read, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. He was asking the God of Israel to really put in their hearts a sincere love for their God so that they will become keepers of the covenant as a nation, so that they will not be taken out of the plan and purposes of God. And he prayed further on, Grant my Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies and statutes, performing all that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Okay, so he was even praying that, Lord, give the people the right heart. And as you have given the right heart to the people, give Solomon, my son, the right heart. And despite David already had the right motivation to build a house for God, he acknowledges that it is the God of their forefathers who will keep these purposes and thoughts in the hearts of the people and even Solomon so that they can keep the covenant alive in the nation and put God in the center always as manifested in their generous giving to the greatest giver of all, our Heavenly Father. In other words, God deserves the generous giving of our people because it is our response to His absolute authority over our lives. It is our response towards that mercy and grace is generously provided. It is our response because of His purpose made perfect for us in Christ to become His covenant people. And so, we cannot hold back in giving back to our God. So, heart check number three is this. And let us ask ourselves this prayerfully. Does my current giving reflect my obedience and allegiance to God, that I am His child and that He is Lord of my life? Because our giving is just one of the ways we respond to this great God who has absolute authority, who gives undeserved generosity to us, and furthermore, who gives us that covenant purpose of fulfilling his mission on earth. And so therefore, this is to be our response to God. Now to conclude, allow me to share this uh, statement. Father's Day is that one time of the year when I get complete obedience from every member of my family, a father jokingly said. I tell them not to spend a lot of money on me, and usually they don't. Yeah? I tell them not to spend a lot of money on me, and usually they don't. 
And I hope this is not what God's statement sounds like when He looks at our giving. When we looks at our giving. Joyful giving is the proper response of God's people when we respond to His authority, His generosity, and His purpose. We want to take part in His character we want to submit to his authority and we want to join him in his purpose and that is partly through our generous giving not only of our tithes and offering but our time talents treasures our lives because our command is to love god and make disciples and that doesn't happen if we do not give sacrificially to the lord from what he has entrusted to us it includes our giving Okay, it is our allegiance to God. It is coming to Him with ob- humility and obedience. It's giving back because God is more generous to us than we deserve. It is because He is our Father and Lord forever and ever who takes care of us. And because we want to see His will on earth accomplished through our giving, He provides our needs, leads us in our journey of life, gives us our daily bread, and provides us with a meaningful purpose of existence. Now, this is not what God demands only, but remember, this is what God deserves. So to God, not only what we give matters, but how we give it. It both matters to God because we are reflecting His character as God's people. So let me again review our response last week and challenge you to make the same response today if you haven't. First, brothers and sisters, let's give faithfully. Okay, separate your tithe when your income comes in and uh, give it to the Lord's work immediately. Right? Regularly and immediately. Second, give generously. Okay? Give sacrificially beyond your tithe. Okay? Because if you are really uh, gaining much, then you must also be giving much. Right? Uh, let's increase the standard of our giving, not the standard of our living. If God blesses us more, then we do not need to upgrade our living, buy new things for ourselves, which will also incur more expense. But instead, you know, keep ourselves humble so that we can give more and participate in God's purpose. Give willingly, right? Give with your heart surrendered to God. Ask God to give you the right heart in your giving and give cheerfully because it is an expression of our gratitude to God. Can we just bow our heads again and ask the Lord to speak to our heart about our commitment in giving for this year and next year? How will we improve in the standard of our giving? as a response to such a great God. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Lord, we praise you again this day for reminding us that our giving is a response to who you are to us. And we pray that, Lord, we will make uh, uh, decisions of how we are to allocate the resources you have given back to your service. Not because it's your demand, but it's because we acknowledge it's what you deserve. 
So Lord, we pray that you continue to bless our church to be a blessing to the nations so that we could have the resources to bring the gospel across the nations for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.